listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. If you would like to support this free podcast, you can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to the handle Mystical City of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 319, and we are reading from Volume 4, Book 7, Chapter 17, Paragraphs 353 to 363. 353. The great queen finished speaking and ordered the holy angels to set up the column and upon it the sacred image in the same place where they now stand. And the angels fulfilled her command in one moment. As soon as the column and the image were in place, the angels and the holy apostles recognized that spot as a house and portal of God, as holy ground consecrated as a temple to the glory of the Most High and the invocation of His Holy Mother. As witness to this fact, they immediately worshipped and reverenced the divinity. St. James prostrated himself upon the ground, and with the holy angels celebrated with new canticles the first dedication of a temple instituted in this world under the name and title of the great mistress of heaven and earth. This was the happy origin of the sanctuary of Our Lady of the Pillar in Saragossa, which is justly called the Angelic Chamber, the house of God, and of his purest mother, worthy of the veneration of the whole world, and a secure pledge and earnest of the favors and benefits not prevented by our sins. It seems to me that our great patron and apostle, the second Jacob, gave a more glorious beginning to this temple than the first Jacob to his in Bethel, when he journeyed to Mesopotamia. Although in that name and on that rock was built the temple of Solomon, There Jacob saw in his sleep the mystical and figurative representation of the latter with the accompanying angels. But here our God saw the true star of heaven with his bodily eyes and accompanied by many more angels. There the stone was consecrated as a temple, which was to be destroyed many times, and after some centuries was to cease to exist. But here... In the firmness of this truly consecrated pillar was established the temple, the faith and the worship of the Most High until the end of the world, where the angels were to ascend with the prayers of the faithful 
and to descend with incomparable blessings and favors to be distributed to all those that in this place devoutly call upon and venerate this great queen and lady. 354. Our apostle gave most humble thanks to the most blessed Mary and asked her for the special protection of this Spanish kingdom, and particularly of this place consecrated to her devotion and name. The Heavenly Mother granted him all his requests, and having again given him her blessing, she was carried back to Jerusalem in the same order by the holy angels. At her petition the Most High charged an angel with the care and defense of this sanctuary, and from that day until now the angel fulfills this office, and will continue it as long as the sacred image and column shall remain there. All the faithful Catholics may see with their own eyes the wonderful preservation of this sanctuary, since it has remained intact and uninjured for more than 1,600 years. Amid all the perfidy of the Jews, the idolatry of the Romans, the heresy of the Arians, and the savage fury of the Moors and pagans, and still greater would the astonishment of Catholics be if they could know of the plots and schemes which all hell has fabricated in different ages through the hands of these infidel nations for the destruction of this sanctuary. I will not detain myself in relating these events, because it is not necessary and does not belong to my purpose. It is enough to say that Lucifer has set all these enemies to attack it many times, and the guardian angel of the sanctuary has foiled all his attempts. 3.55 But I wish to mention two points which have been made known to me for record here. First, that in regard to the promises of Jesus Christ and of his most blessed mother, although they seem absolutely to assure the preservation of this temple and sanctuary, yet they contain an implicit condition, as is the case with many other promises of Holy Scripture in regard to particular blessings of divine grace. This implicit condition here is that we, on our part, conduct ourselves in such a way as not to oblige God to deprive us of his merciful privilege, thus promise and offer to us, because the Lord beneath the mysterious decrees of his justice hides this compelling measure of sins. Therefore, this condition is not declared or made manifest to us, and moreover, we know from the teachings of Holy Church that his favors and promises are not to be used by us against the Lord, and that we must not sin in reliance upon his liberal mercy, since this, more than aught else, will make us unworthy of it. So many and so great many blessings, the sins of these kingdoms and of that devout city of Saragossa, Thus we justly draw upon ourselves the loss of this wonderful blessing and of the protection of the great queen and lady of the angels. 356. The second point which I will touch upon and which is not less worthy of our consideration is that Lucifer and his demons, since they know of these facts and of the promises of the Lord, have attempted and are still attempting to introduce into this illustrious city with a more refined malice than elsewhere, heinous vices and sins, especially such as may offend against the purity of the most blessed Mary. The purpose of the ancient serpent is to bring about two most execrable effects. First, either to induce the inhabitants of that city, if possible, so to offend God, as to cause him to abolish the sanctuary, thus reaching the end which he could not otherwise attain. Or, if that is not possible, at least to hinder souls from showing proper reverence and devotion to the sacred temple, 
and to the great blessings promised through Mary to all her devout supplicants. Lucifer and the demons know very well that the inhabitants of Saragossa and its neighborhood are much more heavily indebted to the great Queen of Heaven than many other cities and provinces of Christianity. For it holds within its walls the storehouse and fountainhead of the favors and blessings, to draw which others must come from afar. Therefore, if its inhabitants, while possessing these advantages, would lead a more wicked life and consequently treat with content the condescending clemency, which no one can ever merit, then certainly with their ingratitude to God and his most blessed mother would provoke a greater indignation and punishment in divine justice. Joyfully, I will confess to all that shall read this history, that I consider myself extremely fortunate in being permitted to write it in a place which is only two days' foot journey from the city of Saragossa. And I look upon that sanctuary with inmost affection of soul, in acknowledgment of the debt which, as all know, I owe to the great mistress of the world. I acknowledge also my obligations and my gratitude toward the piety of that city. In return, I desire urgently to bring to the remembrance of its inhabitants the sincere and ardent devotion they owe to the Most Blessed Mary, the favors they can obtain for themselves by it, and the blessings they may lose by forgetfulness and inattention. Let them consider themselves as more favored and indebted than other faithful. Let them esteem their treasure happily enjoy it, and let them make the propitiatory of their God a useless and common dwelling, converting it into a court of justice, for the Most Holy Mary has appointed it as a workhouse or council house of her mercies. 357. The vision of the Most Blessed Mary having faded away, St. James called his disciples, who were absorbed into the music and in wonder at the brightness, though they did not hear or see anything else. Their great teacher revealed to them as much as was calculated to animate them toward helping to build the temple with which he has been commissioned, and with the assistance of the holy angels before he left Saragossa, completed the little chapel in which now the image and column are still preserved. Afterwards, the Catholics erected the sumptuous temple and whatever else surrounds and adorns that celebrated sanctuary. The evangelist St. John at the time knew nothing of this excursion of the Heavenly Mother to Spain, nor did she tell him about it, for these privileges and favors did not concern the faith of the universal church, Wherefore, she kept the secret of them to herself. Other greater ones, however, she made known to St. John and the other evangelists, because they were necessary for the common instruction and faith of the Christians. But when St. James arrived from Spain and saw his brother John in Jerusalem, he related what had happened to him in his preaching tours through Spain. He told him also of the two visions of the Blessed Mary, and of what happened in Saragossa in connection with the temple he had erected in that city. Through the evangelist, many of the other apostles and disciples learnt of this miracle, for he afterwards told them of it in Jerusalem, in order to confirm them in their faith and devotion to the mistress of heaven, and awaken their confidence in her protection. Hence, those that knew of these favors to St. James from that time called upon her in their labors and necessities, and the loving mother helped some of them often, and all of them at different times in certain difficulties and dangers. 3.58. The miraculous appearance of the Most Blessed Mary in Saragossa took place in the beginning of the 40th year of the birth of the Lord, during the night of the 2nd of January. Four years, four months, and ten days had passed from that time when St. James left Jerusalem on his missionary tour up this event. 
for he had left in the year 35 on the 20th of August, as I mentioned above, number 319. And after the apparition he spent in building the temple in returning to Jerusalem and in preaching one year, two months, and 23 days. He died on the 25th of March in the year 41. The great queen of the angels at that time, she appeared to him in Saragossa, was 54 years, three months, and 24 days of age. For immediately on coming back to Jerusalem, she prepared to depart for Ephesus, as I will relate in the next book and chapter, and she left four days afterwards. Thus, this temple was dedicated many years before her glorious transition, as will be evident when I shall mention her age at her death, for from this apparition to her death intervened a longer time than is ordinarily assumed. During all these years, she was already publicly venerated in Spain, and had temples built in her honor, for an imitation of that in Saragossa, Others were soon erected, where altars were raised in her honor and solemn veneration. 359. This wonderful distinction, without a doubt, exalts Spain beyond all that can be said in its praise, since thereby it signalized itself before all nations and kingdoms in the public veneration, reverence, and devotion due to the great queen and mistress of heaven and earth, and was more zealous to worship and invoke her, even while she was yet living than other nations were after her death and transition to heaven. In return for this ancient and universal devotion, the most blessed Mary, as I was given to understand, has enriched these realms more than the other kingdoms of the earth by spreading the public veneration of so many miraculous images and sanctuaries dedicated in Spain to her honor. By multiplying these favors, the Heavenly Mother has sought to familiarize intercourse with her throughout the kingdoms, offering her protection so many temples and sanctuaries, and meeting the devotions of the faithful in so many places throughout the provinces. This should induce us to acknowledge her as our mother and patroness, and give us to understand that the defense and the spreading of her honor through the whole world is a special privilege of this nation. 360. Therefore I pray and humbly beseech all the subjects and inhabitants of Spain, and in the name of this great lady exhort all of them to refresh their memory, enliven their faith, renew and excite their ancient devotion toward the Most Blessed Mary, and consider themselves more bound and obliged to her service than other nations. Let them hold especially the sanctuary of Saragossa in highest veneration, as excelling all the others and as being the starting place of the piety and devotion toward this queen in Spain. And let all those who read this history believe that the former happiness and greatness of Spain was a gift of the Most Blessed Mary, and a reward for the service rendered to her by the Spanish people. If we in our day see the glory and happiness of Spain so much diminished, it is the fault of our negligence by which we oblige her to withdraw her protection. If we desire a remedy for so many calamities, we can obtain it through this powerful queen, gaining her favor by new and extraordinary proofs of our devotion. And as the admirable blessing of the Catholic faith and the other benefits I have mentioned have come to us through our great patron and apostle St. James, let our devotion and confidence toward him likewise be renewed, in order that the Almighty, through his intercession, may renew his wonders. Instruction which the Queen of Heaven, Most Blessed Mary, gave me. 361. My daughter, thou knowest that not without some mysterious reason I have in the course of this history so many times shown thee the secret machinations and treacherous counsels of hell for the ruin of mankind and the furious and restless wrath with which Lucifer seeks to encompass it. In this assault, hell misses no opening. 
no occasion, and lets no stone unturned, nor forgets any path, any state or person, in laying snares for their fall, and in trying to find ways to much the more dangerous and deceitful, the more they find their victims desirous of eternal life and of friendship of God. Beside these general warnings, thou hast often been shown the council meetings and the plots laid against thee. It is important for all the children of the church to escape the ignorance in which they live, concerning the dangers besetting their eternal salvation. For they do not know or take notice that their ignorance of these secrets is the chastisement of the sin of Adam, and how, after being enlightened, they again lose it and become more unworthy of it than before through their own sins. Many of the faithful are as oblivious and careless as if there were no demons to persecute and deceive them. And if they sometimes think of them, it is superficially and lightly falling immediately back into their forgetfulness, which for many of them means no less than eternal punishment. If at all times and in all places and in all works and on all occasions the demons set their snares, it is but just and proper that Christians on their part take that one step without asking divine light to see and avoid the danger. But as the children of Adam are so torpid in regard to this matter, they perform scarcely one work without being assailed by the infernal serpent and infected by his poison. Thus they accumulate sins upon sins, evil upon evil, irritating the divine justice and shutting out mercy. 362. In these days I exhort thee, my daughter, that just as the fury and watchfulness of hell against thee is greater, so also with the divine grace thy watchfulness be more earnest and continual in order to vanquish those astute enemies. Consider what I did when I saw the designs of Lucifer to persecute me and the Holy Church. I multiplied my prayers, tears, sighs, and supplications, and when the demons tried to avail themselves of the help of Herod and the Jews of Jerusalem, Although I needed not fear the least for myself in the city and desired to remain there, I nevertheless gave up my desire of staying in order to furnish an example of my caution and of obedience by flying from danger and by yielding to the will of St. John. Thou art not strong and art in great danger from creatures, and what is still more, thou art my disciple and hast my life and works for thy model. Therefore I desire thee to fly from danger as soon as thou seize it, and if necessary, avoid it at the cost of the greatest sensible pain, always acting under obedience, which thou must look upon it as thy guiding star, and as thy support against the danger of a fall. Cautiously examine whether, beneath such apparent work of piety, there lurk not the snares of the demons, and see that thou do not suffer evil in doing good to others. Do not trust to thy own judgment, although it may seem good and secure to thee. Never hesitate to obey in all these things, seeing that I, by obedience, safely pass through many labors and difficulties. 363. Renew also the loving desire of following my footsteps and of imitating me perfectly, so as to finish what still remains of my history and at the same time writing it in thy heart. Run on the way of humility and obedience after the order of my life and virtues, and if thou obey me as I have wished and so often asked of thee, I will assist thee as my daughter in thy necessities and tribulations. My divine Son shall execute his designs in regard to thee, as thou hast desired before beginning this work. His promises, so often repeated to thee, will be fulfilled, and thou wilt be blessed by his powerful right hand. Praise and magnify the Most High." For the favor shown to my servant James in Saragossa, 
for the temple there erected before my assumption into heaven, and for all the wonders concerning it. Remember that this was the first temple of the evangelical law, and was most pleasing to the will of the most blessed Trinity. This concludes our reading today for day number 319. We've been reading from volume 4, book 7, chapter 17, paragraphs 353 to 363. The proximity of Agreda to Saragossa is noted by Maria of Agreda today. She says that she could walk there. And of course, in her time, walking pilgrimages would have been popular. I wonder if Maria of Agreda ever visited Saragossa. I don't think she said she did in our reading today. But living in Spain and maybe before her life in religion, because as a cloistered religious, she wouldn't be going on a pilgrimage there, but maybe in her youth, I wonder, did she go there? Now, I actually was in Saragossa before I went to the monastery in Agreda, just the way that I was traveling through the country, and I actually probably wouldn't have went to Saragossa if it wasn't for my travel companion and his insistence that we stop there. And I'm very grateful we did. It was a very moving place, and it's my understanding that one of the reasons why Our Lady appeared there, and it didn't necessarily come out in our readings the past two days, but that St. James had become discouraged in his missionary labors, that he wasn't gaining converts as readily as he thought. And so Our Lady went there to encourage him. And while I was there then, I just thought this was the place where we should pray for priests, to pray for discouraged priests, because Our Lady encouraged St. James, gave him hope. And so for those priests who lack hope right now, I think it's really important that we call upon Our Lady of the Pillar, that we ask the intercession of St. James, the Apostle of Spain, that there can be some sort of efficacy in this devotion that we can foster to Our Lady of Zaragoza, to Our Lady of the Pillar. Seeing the pillar is something that was incredible to see the image atop there, to know. And it's actually contained in the cathedral church of, of this diocese. So they have the really the chapel of Our Lady of Saragossa, Our Lady of the Pillar in the back entryway. And then once you go beyond that, you enter into the main cathedral church. And it's very grand. It's huge. And... Again, there were so many people there. People funneled through the door. So what Our Lady said about people praying there, it's true. It is indeed a beautiful place of devotion to Our Lady. And according to her and our instruction, the very first place that devotion to her spread. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of The Mystical City of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.